Have you ever read Genesis and thought, if only Eve hadn't eaten that apple, or if only the serpent hadn't stuck out his forked tongue? Sometimes I've wondered, why did God make the serpent anyway? Or why did he even put the tree of knowledge in the garden? He must have wanted to see what Adam and Eve would do. Would they trust and obey him? Or would they go their own way instead? God gave them a simple command. You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So the crafty serpent said, asked Eve, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That wasn't what God said. He raised doubt about God's word and intentions. He said, You will not surely die. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He tempted Eve and Adam, who was right there with her, to decide for themselves what was good and evil. Trust my word rather than God's word, the tempter said. Trust your own judgment. Trust yourself, and you'll be like God. We've been trying to put ourselves in God's place ever since. We think that we can do whatever we want and decide what's right and wrong for ourselves. Gerhard Ferdy points out that Adam and Eve's fall wasn't a downward fall into immorality. It was an upward fall. They were trying to become like God. The serpent was right. When they ate the fruit, their eyes were opened. But what they noticed wasn't new godlike powers. They suddenly knew they were naked. Before that moment, they had gone without clothes and without shame. But after eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge, they felt naked and ashamed. So they sewed some fig leaves together, as if that would hide them from God's eyes. When they heard God walking in the garden, they hid among the trees. God called out to them. Isn't it interesting? <laughs> I think God knew exactly where they were. And yet God called out to them and said, Where are you? They were hiding from God, afraid and ashamed. They were already a long ways from where they had been. Their relationship with God went from trust and obedience to fear and shame. They were already a long way from Eden, far from God, far from home. Have you ever felt miles from where you should be? You made a costly mistake and suddenly you felt lost and ashamed. 
If you're like me, when you mess up, you try to cover things up. You try to cover your tracks. Adam and Eve tried to cover things up by passing blame around. Well, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree. The serpent deceived me, and I ate. It's someone else's fault. It's her fault. It's the serpent's fault. It's your fault, God. You're the one who put her here with me. By the end of the chapter, Adam and Eve are driven out of Eden. And life is never the same for anyone. Even the ground is cursed because of them. But right at the very end of the chapter, we find that God still cares for them. He gives them new clothes and promises that the serpent will be crushed. Now, a lot of people argue about whether the story of Adam and Eve really happened or when it happened, or where it might have happened. Interestingly, Rob Bell says, maybe the truth about the Adam and Eve story, maybe the greatest power of the story, is not just that it happened, but that it happens. The same story, the same pattern, happens over and over again in our lives and in our world. We live in a fallen, broken world where people choose to go their own way instead of God's way. Where are you, God asks. Where are you? Where are we? Often we find ourselves far from God, far from home. We are sinful creatures like our ancestors before us. We fall into the same patterns. We trust our own knowledge and wisdom instead of God's Word. We put ourselves in God's place, deciding what's right and wrong for ourselves. We blame others rather than taking responsibility for our own mistakes. We blame our spouses, we blame our parents, we blame the drugs or the devil. We try to hide behind our little sewing projects, trying to make ourselves look presentable to God and to other people. We neglect our responsibility to care for creation. We trash it and pave it and build over it and use it up rather than tending it and helping it be everything God originally intended. When given the same choices as Adam and Eve, we make the same mistakes. But the story of Adam and Eve doesn't start in chapter 3. It starts in chapter 1. In the beginning, God created everything and said, it is good. God blessed all of creation. He set human beings over it to rule and tend the creation. He gave us responsibility 
to be good stewards of creation. People were to live in harmony with and care for the garden. God established kind of a a hierarchy of care and tending, beginning with God, then people, then creation. God cares for us, and we are to care for creation. Eden is a picture of shalom, the Hebrew word that means peace and health and wholeness, everything working together. In Genesis, the story of God begins in a garden. At the very end of the Bible, in Revelation, the story ends with a city, the new Jerusalem, that is filled with gardens and trees and life. The very end, Revelation 21, John sees the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And he hears a loud voice saying, Now the dwelling of God is with people, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. God will dwell with the people. There will be new life. And no more death. See, I am making everything new, the Lord says. John goes on in his vision to describe the city with a river, the water of life flowing through it, surrounded by trees. He says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. God's story begins with a garden and a tree and ends with a city filled with gardens, filled with trees of life. It begins with a garden and ends with a garden city. The middle is where it gets all messed up and has to be restored. You know, if you took sin out of the Bible you would be left with a pamphlet. (laughs) Essentially, Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22. But what a pamphlet that is. It's a vision of the world as God intended it from the very beginning and what it one day will be again. What happened in Genesis 3 was a disruption of shalom. A disruption of peace and health and wholeness. You see, sin is whatever gets in the way of shalom. 
It's rebellion against the hierarchy that God established, where we try to become like God. Sin is participation in death and disruption. In fact, the Greek word for sin is hamartia. Say that with me. Hamartia. It literally means missing the mark. Like if you've got a target up there and you pull your bow and you let it loose and you, know, you end up hitting somebody in the choir. <laughs> That's missing the mark. When our lives and our society miss the center of God's will, when we're off target, when we've gone astray, that is hamartia, that is sin. To repent is to get things aimed properly again, to turn back to God, to the right order, to our proper place in creation. You see, repentance is not just about personal morality, but it's about restoring harmony in our relationships with God and each other and all of creation. Of course, we can't set everything right by our own power. The story of the Bible is not about people getting everything right. (laughs) It's the story of God setting all things right. God renewing all things, restoring all things, reconciling all things. It's not just about God removing sin. It's about God restoring shalom bringing all things back to where they're supposed to be. You see, sin is a temporary disruption of God's creation. God is working to put everything back together through Jesus Christ. In the book of Colossians, Paul writes, Through Christ, God was pleased to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. God has been working at setting things right from the very beginning. When God spoke to the serpent in Genesis 3, He hinted at what would come. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. You will strike his heel and he will crush your head. At the beginning of the movie, The Passion of the Christ, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, anguished over the decision that he has to make and what's coming. And you see Satan whispering in his ear, tempting him to give up and to turn away from obeying his father's will. He says, how could you possibly bear all the sins of the world? Who could do that? No one. No one could. A serpent wriggles out of Satan's robe and slithers right up to Jesus. But Jesus, kneeling in prayer, says, Father, let your will be done, 
not my will. And he stands up and crushes the head of the serpent under his foot. 1 John 3 says, The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus stood up to Satan's temptation and fought him off with God's Word. That was why we had the same reader for Adam and for Jesus. Because Jesus is the new Adam. He's the one who sets things right by obeying His Father. In Romans 5, Paul says, Just as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. In Christ, we are set right with God. Death is defeated and begins working backward. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we too will be raised. Not as spirits in some heaven far away, but with new bodies right here on a restored, renewed earth. God's story anticipates the coming day when heaven and earth are one again. I love the quote that I heard recently. Heaven is where God is storing the earth's future. The future is coming in Jesus Christ. On Easter morning, when Mary Magdalene saw the resurrected Jesus, just like we have up on the stained glass in the back of the sanctuary, she thought she was seeing a gardener. And actually, she was right. Christ brings new life and new creation. Through Him, God is restoring the garden. Through the resurrection of Jesus, a whole new world is bursting forth right here in the midst of this one. And everybody everywhere can be a part of it. As Paul says in Romans 8, The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. When you follow Jesus as one of God's children, you help redeem and restore this broken, fallen, hurting world. You partner with God to make our world more of the kind of place it was originally intended to be. Paradise regained. So may God call you out of your hiding place. May He open your eyes to see how much He loves you. And may He use you today to help plant the trees of paradise. Amen.